Welcome to the Views from the John podcast, starring comedian John Ares, with special guest comedian Rob Santos. Ladies and gentlemen, let's start the show. What's up, everybody? I'm John Ares, and welcome to episode 74 of the Views from the John podcast. I am here with my special friend and buddy, comedian Rob Santos. Welcome to the show, man. Oh, thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. This is, uh, what, like a month in the making? Because uh, uh, I, I, look, I fucked up the first time, just so they know. <laughs> I think it's been about a year in the making, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, because we met each other a while back. Yeah, and then... We met yeah, each other. Really started getting going. We met each other about 14 months ago at a show yep. that we were both on. I think did you headline that? I opened it. Yes, I closed I closed it out and for you closed it. $40. Uh, well, hey man, you know, we all got to start somewhere. <laughs> I mean, you know, right, right. for me I was doing this, but I think for you $40 was kind of like an insult, wasn't it? I mean, not to not to but I mean you came from New York City, brother. You were you were yeah. following Bill Burr at one point oh. in New York City. Well, I tell you what that. So I tell you that is that story. Before we even that story is such a great story because I wanted to follow Bill. That's yeah, exactly. I do, and yeah, I would not yeah. even think about wanting to follow Burr because he just crushes so hard. You know, it's that's just, why I wanted to so bad. I I. I I thought of it as if I was going to be, it was like, okay, after, after the all clear sounds, after the, you know, the, the atomic bombs go off and yeah. the all clear hits yeah. and then you have to pick up the pieces. That's what I wanted to do so bad. That's what it felt like to me. I was, I just happened to be on a showcase and he showed up, man. A lot of guys have done that. A lot of guys, they come on the showcases yeah. and I always tend to miss the guy. Like they always go on after I get up and I get so mad because I want to follow him so bad. So what happened? So like on that particular show, did Bill kill? Oh, did dude, he- this is the best part. This, this is the best part. Bill, like if you're a comedian, Bill killed. Yeah. If you're an audience member, you're, you weren't lukewarm to it, but you were like, okay, because it was at that time, Patricia's year, yearly events, the annual event that they do for him to raise money for his family. Yeah. And he was coming to New York just trying out new stuff. And it was stuff that he used on Paper Tiger. Oh, so this was recent. Yeah, man. This was a, yeah, this was a while ago. Because man. I was at stuff. the benefit last year. but They didn't have it this year because of COVID. But I was at it in 2019. This was probably like two years ago. This is probably like 2018, 2017. Yeah, and he always... That's when he was working on... Yeah, he mm-hmm. always comes into the city at least a couple of days early and just gets up as much as he can to run stuff. So he, and he's a super nice guy. Yeah. Super nice guy. So he popped in on a show that you were already on. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It was, it was great. Aaron Berg was the host. Big ass, diesel ass Aaron Berg. Another, another nice dude. But, you know, these guys don't really say much to you. You know, they are who they are. They're in their circles. They're doing their thing. They're, they're really good people, man. They're just there to do their jobs. And you get on and you do your thing and you have fun. And then you're sitting there waiting for, your, you're waiting to, for the show to be over and, you know, congratulate everyone. Have, you know, see how great everyone did. And then all of a sudden, first shows up. And the whole tenor of the room changes. And when you realize that's what a headliner is. Right. When everything changes. Right. The whole atmosphere of the room changes and knows that that guy's there now. Totally. The whole tenor of everything. Everything. It, it was probably one of the 
most amazing experiences I've had as a performer. And for a young comic like me, if I was on that show, I would be shitting myself. You know what I'm saying? Which is, which is, okay, which is totally fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you got experience. So like, what were you like when he came into the room? You're like, yes, I want to follow that because like, that is like the ultimate test is to try to follow yeah. somebody. I mean, cause this was just a couple of years ago. So this is like Burr yeah, at his like yeah. height right now. Yeah, this is right. Like he was talking about his daughter, talking about a lot of the PC stuff. Uh, it for me it was I was upset. <laughs> I was really mad. Yeah, <laughs> because I'm I'm a I'm a I don't want to say I'm an adrenaline junkie, but I think that people that get up in front of people have that sense of want and need to feel like they gotta be gotta be. Like John, I gotta be fucking. I gotta. I can't fucking do it. Like even before we were doing this, you're saying you were a little nervous. Forgive me. I don't mean to open the door like that, but you know, it's like. But you get. You have that need, that nervous energy. Like you need that shit. It's a nervous excitement. Yeah, exactly. It's and like that's what hit me. It's like I want to skydive. I've never skydove yep. or dive or dived, however you say it. <laughs> but yeah, right, I, right, right. I, I want to take that leap. But I'll be the first mm -hmm. to admit that as much as I want to leap out that airplane. Before I do yeah. leap out the airplane, my hands are going to be sweaty. You know, mom's spaghetti is going to be on me. <laughs> I'm gonna, all over. Yeah, all, yeah, all over. Know? If so, not yeah. mom's spaghettis, like, you know, like dad's casserole. How about that? Whatever it is, it's going to be the worst experience ever. I think but if you don't have amazing. a little bit of nervous excitement before you go on stage or go on a podcast, there's probably something mm -hmm. wrong with you. <laughs> you know, I, I, for, I tell you what, as I, I agree with that. And if you're a comic, you're a performer. If you don't want it, I'm talking about want it to the point that it makes your fucking eyes bleed. Right. Where it, you know what I'm saying? If you don't want it that bad, you you shouldn't be doing this. Like you have to want it. Like when I saw when I saw Bill get up, I wanted to follow him because I wanted to know what that experience was like. I didn't give a fuck. I died a thousand deaths up on stage. I wanted to know what that feeling was like so that the next time it happens, I'll be better. So did he bump anybody? Oh yeah. <laughs> he bumped the rest of the show. <laughs> so how long did they give him? He was like up there for like 20 minutes, man. 20, we had a 20, 25 minute interlude. So, of Bill Burr. so he goes up for 20 minutes and then he gets off yeah. and then you get called up next. No, 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 no. I was, so this is what happened. I was at the beginning of the showcase because they knew I was one of the stronger guys. Oh, okay. And the showcase was going to be like, uh, maybe like 10 to 12 guys. So it's like, Rob, you don't mind. We know you're a strong dude. Is it all right if we put you on at number three or four? We know that you can hold it down towards the end. You mind getting up a little earlier? And I was like, yeah, fine. No, no problem. No, it's only like a seven-minute set. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to show some people out there like, hey, I'm Rob Santos. I, I, I can do this shit. So I get up, do my thing. One more guy gets up. And I think either one more guy gets up after me. Yeah, one more guy gets up after me. And then Bill gets up. And I was like, what? Like, get the fuck out of here, you know? And I'm just sitting in the back, just like watching the man work. And then this is the coolest part. The coolest part, not even when he gets up and just sabotage the whole show. <laughs> the best part is when like, <laughs> the best part is, is like when he gets up, when you go over and you look at him and he's on his phone and he's writing. And I say, hey, man, good stuff tonight, man. Really pleasure. And he's like, I, was like, I really enjoy your work. And he was like, hey, hey, mind if you just give me a minute? I just want to write this down. I was like, dude, I'm sorry, man. You do your thing, homie. Do your thing. And that's was, something like, he doesn't shit. claim to do. He doesn't really write. I think he just writes down certain tags that might have worked on that night when he's, you know, fucking with new shit. 
But that's just exactly what I do too. I kind of learned everything I did from him just by studying the guy. You know? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. you're, you're hundred percent right. What you just said is hundred percent right. He might not have been writing stuff word for word, but what he was doing was that he was writing. He was still putting in the work. And when you think about it, like you hear about it, you know, you know, people they talk about it. When you see it, right? It, it it's a different thing. It's a different thing. And the fact that he was professional the whole time. And, you know, afterwards, I went back and shot the shit for a little bit, and that was it. Yeah. You know? I've only seen him a handful of times in my lifetime. Only a handful of times. But actually, a friend of mine is actually cool with him. Um, he does some stuff with him when he comes around the way. does some videos and stuff like with him. So, uh, my friend Tom, uh, he, he does some stuff with Bill. So, I haven't got a chance to meet him through Tom or anything like that yet. But it was one of the coolest experiences I had as a performer that night. It was, it was, a, great, it was a great night. Right on, right on. So let's introduce everybody here to Rob. This oh, is hey. this is Rob Santos. Rob, why don't you tell me and everybody else who you are? Who is Rob Santos? Where do you come Just from? Phase, dude, Where are you going? Yeah. Oh, dude, you're so pleasant. I'm a, I'm just a base dude chilling, man. I, I I I currently live in Hartford. I'm born and raised in New Britain, Connecticut. Um. I, I think we, we our pre-production joint yesterday. I ask myself that every morning. Who the hell am I? I live with a personality disorder. So I don't know who the fuck I am most of the time. And because of that, it, it puts me in a position where it's like I, can't, I have to figure it out every single day. Like, who am I going to be? Like, am I the guy today whose who leg sucks because of my surgery? Am I the comedian? Am I the visionary? Am I the the you know am i the womanizer am i the you know the dad am i the husband like who am i every day is it's that constant question being asked and it's tough because living with a personality disorder even though i take some meds to help me out um it's there's still real no real cure for it except for just being mindful and living skillfully so that's a great fucking question maybe we'll find that out toward you know as we go along maybe we'll find out that rob is a cool chill guy well, that raises and, some great questions. Who are you today? Oh, man. Um, like, right this right second, now, like you say every, you know, because I don't, like, that's a great question. Does anybody really know themselves and know exactly who they are or who they want to be? Or are they just portraying who they think the world wants them to be, who their friend wants them to be, who their, who their wife wants them to be, their, their parents, you know? Right. Right. I tell you what, when I think you can I decide, you get to decide who you want to be. I agree fully moment to moment, moment to moment. I feel like right now I'm your friend doing I'm on your podcast, hanging out. Right. That's who I am right now. That's awesome. You're living that's in the moment. Yeah, man. That's it. It's, it's so hard to look. It, I, like, it's so hard to look an hour ahead, two hours ahead. It, it petrifies me. I think. I told you before, like coming on, like I didn't want to do the podcast. It's not because I didn't want to do it, it's because my mind. Well, I didn't know you didn't want to do it until a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, but it's not like it, it's my brain. My mind is just telling me these things that aren't real, and it's just like because I'm petrified of the future. I'm petrified of see, like looking that far. Like tomorrow at one o'clock, I got to do. A, I got to do a, a podcast with John. Fuck. 
Now I gotta now I gotta look far ahead like that. Now I, I can't now I can't be in the moment. Oh, so now, now I'm like all the months we were talking about it, you were like, yeah, absolutely. But once we set that final date and it was in stone, now you had 24 hours to be like, fuck, you know? Yeah, yeah, it drove me yeah, crazy. Okay. It drove me fucking okay. crazy. I hear and it, and it's and it's nothing on you. It's nothing on anyone else. It's just how my mind works, and I'm learning to like my girlfriend. We can't even make she she hates it when we try to make decisions and choices to go vacation because i hate looking that far into the future so you ask me who i am right now i'm here with you having a good time enjoying my time with with you john and and hoping that uh a group of people can understand who 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 i the behavior that i'm putting out there and maybe they can say like wow rob's a real good dude he's an honest guy now can i ask you an honest question without go ahead man like without prejudice yeah. Is your hair a reflection of who you are? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because to be honest, it looks like you stuck your finger in a light socket, my friend. Oh, see, I've heard that shit. Okay, is that one? Yeah. That one? <laughs> light socket? I could also uh, hold, call you uh, Doc Brown. With? Doc Brown? That's a good one. What's a jiggle uh, Statue of Liberty on coke. <laughs> Statue of Liberty on crack cocaine, which is one of my jokes. So you have a, yeah, um, you have a Statue of Liberty bit I saw that, that you did on Caroline's. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, um, unlike myself, uh, Rob Santos here is like an actual real life paid like comic. He's been all around the country. Uh, he's opened for Burr. And I mean, I mean you know, th this guy actually has comedy uh, on YouTube that you can look up. OK, <laughs> this guy's the real deal. He's got a website. I'm going to be putting all that stuff on the screen. This guy's also an actor. So. Yeah, if you guys so, want to see how funny, funny this no, dude is, just search him out. Yo, listen, I listen, man. The 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 hair, the hair. That's a great. That's a great fucking question, and I love the comments afterwards. I've gotten that shit my whole life, dude. When I pull my hair back, when I pin it back, and then yeah, you know, I comb back, it up. Okay, okay. I look like a different person. You don't mind if I'm super, super blunt and honest with you, right? Go right ahead. Okay, pull your hair back again. Yeah, yeah. Because. You call yourself beige, which means you're mixed race, mm -hmm. kind of, right? Yep. You are yep. a mixed yep. race. You're, you, are, you are half black and half Puerto Rican. And also the, what makes the, the, the races is I also have Cherokee Indian in me as well. Okay. So that's where all the mixed stuff comes When from. you pull your hair back like that, you look way more Spanish to me. I was surprised you're not going to say Asian. With a little bit of Asian mixed in. Yeah, you could definitely yeah. see yeah, yeah, yeah. it. You can definitely see it. Mm -hmm. But when you got the hair up like that, you definitely look mm -hmm. more like a man of color. So, John, how am I supposed to figure out who the fuck I am where I look like everything? Whenever, when people ask me, like, hey, what, what am I? Like, Rob, what are you? What are you? What are you? Like, what am I? I'm the future color of America. That's what I am. I am from the future. That's what I say well, in one of my jokes. That's I'm, truly what I wish more of America would be like. I feel like everyone needs to be mixed race. Dude, I don't. It's hard, man. I wake up and it's like, fuck it. Fucking like, just, just, just do this shit, man. Let's get these hoes, man. That's why I, every day, man, I try to fucking snatch the day by getting hoes every day. And not in hoes like women, but, you know. Just as a it's a metaphor that I use to motivate myself because I tell you what, man, like, but I think that's kind of like, cool, yo, because yeah. because like you're two different like races mixed into one, you mm -hmm. could like totally change your look like a chameleon anytime you leave the house. With me, I'm always oh, yeah. this pasty, pale, 
you know, toxic white guy, no matter where I go, you know, I'm just going to like look guilty. Yeah. Oh, one of my jokes is when I was young, one of my jokes is like when, when I was young, my teacher said that you could be anything that you want to be. I was like, mm, I'm gonna hold you to that bitch. And I did it. <laughs> <laughs> and then and I did, I just became, became everything I wanted to be. Whatever I want to be, I could be it. I don't give a fuck. It's just, if I cut my hair down, I can, I look, I can look like a, I can look like a, a mixed white guy. If, if I pull it back, cornrows, and I, then I look like a black dude. Or, I, dude, it's, it's weird, man. It's just the skin tone and the fact that I don't, I'm always pale. It's just weird how this shit works, dude. And I'm trying to grow a beard for some stupid ass reason. So I look weird all the time. So I, I, it's, it's tough. Are you really, able it can to grow be, a beard? Absolutely not. I can't either. This is the, this is the, yeah, this is the thickest that comes in, man. I got this thick ass Mexican conquistador mustache and shit, right? This is this is this is this is why I look Spanish because of the mustache. But the great thing about that is, I bet that mustache came in at like eight years old, right? Oh, dude, I wish, I wish. I didn't start growing facial hair until my like into my uh, mid teens. Really? Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, man. I was, I was, I was a late face bloomer like a motherfucker. too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, dude. I was, you know, you like you pee in the stall and then you look over, you see your friend has hair on his joint and then you look back at yours and it's like, I have nothing. And you don't feel like a man. <laughs> like that's, what it, that's what it was like. I was such a late bloomer on everything. John. I, I wish I could say I pe- that I peeked over the urinal at one point in my life, but I don't think I have. <laughs> oh yeah well i was i was curious man i was always curious i just i was like i could you compare yourself it was a constant comparison like i was that's just what it is man we compare ourselves i was just giving oh, go ahead. i was just giving my co-host shit the other day we were telling a story how we were on the mass pike late night one night and we went into a men's room and you've been on the you know in a men's room on the mass pike <laughs> there's like 40 urinals in there so i yeah, roll up yeah, to yeah. one urinal and there's now 39 other urinals that this guy could pull up to, but he pulls right up next to the one next to me. <laughs> and I'm like, that, that is breaking men's room urinal etiquette. You don't do that. If there's, <laughs> if there's, if there's one dude at a, at a urinal and there's three there, you go to the one that's furthest away from the one that's already occupied. You don't pull up right next to the dude. Well, you, that's breaking well, you know code. places. But you know, there's some places out there that, that have holes in the, um, in, the, in the urinals, right? On either on one set, like let's say you're in one stall and then there's no one's in another stall. There's a hole in there and they solicit gay sex there. Like a glory hole? Yeah, like a glory hole. Yeah. Wait, on, wait, wait. In, in I, I, thought, I thought glory holes were only in the stalls, bro. No, like in the stalls. I mean, I'm sorry, not in the urinals, but in the stalls. Like, yeah, yeah. In the stalls, they have those things. So sometimes if you go in there late at night and someone else goes in there, They'll go in there after you. I've had that happen to me a few times, actually. Yo, I got and they to try ad- to solicit sex from me. Yo, I got it was to admit, fucking hilarious. I got to admit, I don't think I've ever been in a bar or a club that had one of those shits. But if I was in one of those places and I'm just minding my own business, taking yeah. a leak, and like a ding dong comes out of the hole below me, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna freak out like it's a snake. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be like stomping at no. it. Shit, yo, I, I, that, that's gonna freak me out. That's the last thing I'm gonna <laughs> expect while I'm taking a piss at a bar is to have like some cock come out of the side of the friggin' bathroom at me. That's so funny. No, the dick doesn't come out first. The dick is that's too soon. Fingers come out from under, uh, from underneath. Oh, okay. It starts with fingers. And then what you do is. Yeah, they start with fingers, and then if you're interested, you put your foot underneath, and then the dick comes out. <laughs> <laughs> can I ask how you? Can I ask how you know this shit, brother? Oh, there was a guy that was doing a whole uh, research paper on this. He's doing some research on it, saying about how gay men, how no, actually, no, closeted men solicit gay sex on the on those uh, 
on like the Mass Pikes or the Jersey Turnpikes and places like that, and public places like that. Okay. And they per- they have they have perfect normal lives. They have two, three kids or whatever, and they just but they go do that on the side. So that's perfect. So now I know. So now I know if I'm ever in one of those places, if the fingers come out, if the fingers yeah. come out, what do I got to do to say yes or no? You just put you just you just you just slide your foot underneath. Sliding your foot so underneath can, means yes. Yeah. And what means no? Uh, I don't remember it a hundred percent, but I remember sliding your foot underneath shows interest. What if I were to take his entire fingers and snap him? What would that mean? <laughs> would that mean you picked the wrong mean, dude? <laughs> yeah, it means you're a maniac and you're not into that kind of thing. It means you're not into having a good time. That's what it means, John. It means that you don't want to, you're not or, into a good time tonight. <laughs> or to look at it another way, it might just mean that the last thing I was expecting, because I'm so naive, is to have somebody's yeah. fingers come through a hole while I'm trying to take a leak in my It's not even business. through a hole. It's, it's, it's right underneath the stall. Oh, it's, it's under right the stall underneath first. The yeah, it's under a stall first, and then you put your you put your your feet under the stall. It's fucking nuts. I remember that. Remember reading about that when I was. This was a long, long time ago. So I don't know. I don't know if it's changed since then. If there's new rules to it now, but it's fucking nuts, dude. It really is. It really is. The shit that you learn. Hand signals and shit like they're Navy SEALs or something. Yeah, man. It's but that but think about it. Like you talk about who you are, right? Talk about who is who are we? Like who are these who are these guys that are doing this? They're closeted like this. That they have to go around and solicit this type of behavior to, amongst each other because of the fact they can't come out and just say, "Hey, I'm I, this is who I am." They have to hide it. They have to closet it. It's it's it, it's got to be a very lonely existence. And I stopped I stopped feeling that way after a while. I said, "Fuck it. I'm a psychopath, and I'm going to run with it." Yeah. Well, good for you. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you happy. Yeah, man. It's it just. I think that's what everyone's essentially trying to do, right? You know, doing what makes them feel good, as long as it's within reason. That's my that's my whole approach. I'm a very moderate sort of guy, and when I say about moderate, it's because you know Aristotle talked about everything in moderation. That's how we. If you if you indulge too much, man, it's just you look. It's just it's not a good look for anyone. You know, no matter what it is. I wish I could apply his theory when I drink. <laughs> you and me both. I got, I'm 200 pounds now. I, I drink like 12 beers. Once I start, my problem is I can't stop. Yo, I, listen, man, I could go for a beer right now, dude. Don't give me <laughs> You ain't getting Sunday afternoon drinking. Oh yeah, man. But yeah, but that's 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 the, that's me in a nutshell, man. I'm just a I'm just a beige dude chilling. That's it. I don't. I don't fake to be anyone that I'm not. So Rob Santos obviously is a professional comic. That's what you do for a living. Uh, you started out in New York City and you've gone mm-hmm. back and forth between having New York City be your home base in Hartford and then New York City. Now you're based mm-hmm. in Hartford. Comedy is one of your full time jobs. And yes, outside of my day, I, I, I will say this. Though, I do have a day job, but I only work about 25 to 30 hours a week with it. I don't, I don't do full time with my regular job anymore. I've been able to scale back hours as I've gotten more attention. Right on. So when you're not working at your job, you're obviously doing shows. Running the workshop, running my studio. Yep. Uh, Rob has a comedy workshop, a very successful comedy workshop where he teaches, uh, comics like me that don't know their ass from their elbow, how to be better. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And uh, also, if you can see the words beige behind Rob, 
beige. Why don't you tell us about beige? Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to include the link on the screen. I'm going to include it everywhere down in the description where you can check you. out Rob's proof of concept for the show beige. What is a proof of concept? I didn't know what a proof of concept is. A proof of concept is uh, like what comes before a pilot. The proof of concept yep. is like a band's demo tape. The proof yep. of concept is what you try to sell to a network. Then the network, if they like it, they'll approve it for a pilot. Then you do a pilot. And then if they like the pilot, then you get a TV show. Yep. You got, dude, you fucking, you got it right on the fucking head, man. Yeah. I, I, I like band's demo tape. That was such a fucking great description. Well, that's kind of the background I got started in. Rather than getting started right. in stand-up in my you know, late teens, I got started in the music. Which is totally fucking dope. I, I feel you. Man. Yeah, the so it's great. But I find that the music scene and the background, like the back end to running a band, is very similar to the comedy scene in the back end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to it. There's a lot more than meets the eye that people don't understand. Oh, I agree. But uh, the business of comedy is a, is a crazy thing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So your show beige, um, that proof of concept, mm -hmm. it's about 13 minutes long. I watched it. I was hooked. Everybody that I've sent it to was hooked. I sent you, uh, you. you know, like feedback on it from other, uh, you know, people. So yeah, everyone that I know has seen it, loves it. What kind of feedback have you, you been getting on it? A lot of positive feedback. Uh, a lot of positive feedback. Because uh, we, what we did was we, cr we crunched everything in all at once. Right. Uh, uh, some of the best feedback was one of my cousins, her daughter was like, was, was saying that that was, he's, he has the same issues I have, you know, he, and she's in her teens, early teens. And it's like, yeah, she, he's, he's feeling the things that I feel. It's like, I'm just, I'm just like him. That's probably, one, that, that was probably the best one. And so many others felt it as well, because just by some of the words that I used, like one of the, one of the lines I used in the, in the proof of concept. And I think it was also in the trailer. Um, was that not all violent acts are physical. And when I said that, you know, it really resonated with a lot of people because they're like, wow, I felt that. Mm -hmm. Because I think people have had heinous things happen to them mentally and emotionally that they didn't understand in that moment and took them a while to get over. So all the, all the, all the uh, feedback we've gotten has been extremely positive. Yeah. Um, we are very happy about what we've gotten back. And why don't you tell everyone listening and watching what this show beige is about? I mean, you guys seriously need to take the 13 minutes and watch this proof of concept. It's a 13 minute, really well done show. Thank you. Uh, well, the idea about it is what would, so <clears throat> in my community, you know, and I just say my community, uh, you know, being a semi quasi beige black dude, right? Um, I remember just for us, we get more, we get more love coming out of prison than we do coming out of anywhere else, like finishing school. You know, I thought it'd be funny, like, or interesting. It's like, what would it have been like for a stand-up comedian coming out of a mental institution after a long stay in? What would that be like? Because I've been there. I've been in mental institutions before about three, four times. And I was like, what would it? Because every time you come out, you come out different. And the funny thing is you're different, but the world around you isn't. But it is. And what I mean by that, it's like, yeah, the world changes in terms of technology or whatever it is, it's just 24 hour news cycle, but it still stays the same because you're still feeling like you don't belong there. 
And so conceptually, it's like stand-up comedian Rob Soto, who's the guy, my character's name, even though my name is Rob Santos. So Rob Soto comes out of a mental institution after three, four months stay. And he tries to fit back into a world that doesn't fit in with him, which is essentially the premise. And tries to connect with his family, connect back to stand-up, and just tries to find a way to give himself to the world that, you know, can't really accept him. And he's still trying, even though the world doesn't accept him. Well, so, I, can I ask you some questions now based on... Right ahead. Here's the questions that I came up with that a lot of other people might uh, also have when they watch the proof of concept. Um, sure, sure. This is this show is obviously like even though you're playing a character named Rob Soto, this is mm -hmm. all mostly based on your real life experience. The show is about yes. you. Now, the first mm -hmm. thing I would think with me being a comic as well is that coming out of the mental institution, you would have a a whole slew of new topics to talk about for the stage. Oh, you got you. Ton of great. I, I, I yeah. yeah. You, you know, I'm shit. I'll tell you, like, my experience in mental institutions were similar to what Tupac had when he was in jail. When Tupac, when Tupac was in jail, he was like, yo, he's going to come out with a bunch of crazy shit. And he said it was probably the most demor demoralizing experience he ever had. The, the creativity part wasn't even there. No. Because nah, there, it doesn't exist. Because when you're there, I'm not necessarily in jail, but you're so busy working on yourself that you don't think about anything else. Right. You, you think about, don't, don't get me wrong. I thought about the stage, but I wasn't there. I wasn't creative enough at that moment. No, to I don't like, mean hey, I so much like writing work some shit out. I just mean, you know, being like, oh, in an coming? institution like that, it just gives you a lot of ideas for material because I'm sure you went through a lot of crazy shit, saw a lot of crazy shit. Oh yeah. I, yeah. When you get out, when you get out, then it hits you. Right. Then, then your faculties come back. Yes. Yeah. That I can agree with. I understand now. Yeah. yeah. When you're in, not necessarily, cause when you're in, you sober up quick. Right. John. Right. I saw a guy and I don't use this term like that. I saw a guy literally run up a wall <laughs> and knock himself out. Was he on he something like or is this just because he was like, just, just him. You ever seen, you know, how, like in the first Mario, where he would run and then he would jump up to get the flag. Like that's what he was doing, man. And it was, it was something because I, and I just happened and I just happened to be walking because sometimes depending on who you are, they let you walk by yourself a little bit. Um, they let you walk around the, the, the floor, you know, in a circle and shit. So you can kill some time. And I was just killing some time. And then they were like, I just saw a bunch of guards run to the room and I saw him do the Mario thing. And then, out cold and the other and that was the last i saw of him damn yeah <laughs> you know like i don't know if he i don't think he killed himself but i will say that he probably went to a different part of the of the facility you know uh uh you and the thing is when you one time i don't mean to like i'm not going to use their real name because i don't remember it one time i was what i one of the one times i went it's like, yeah, you know, we're all saying our names, like, hey, I'm Rob, whatever. And it's like, oh, hey, I'm Diana. And I'm and and the lady said, oh, I'm Diana and I'm Tiana and I'm and I'm Grace and I'm Paul. Like it was it was like I, I sat there. I was like, what the fuck just happened? And and this is not trying to make fun of them. It's just you sober up so fast because 
I guarantee you, if the majority of the people that who feel that, oh, I'm depressed, I'm this, I'm that, I guarantee you, if they went put themselves in and they go into these spaces and they check themselves in, they were sober up like that. Yeah. And when I did that, I was like, man, I'm not as crazy as I thought I was. Right. I know I need help. I know I'm on a certain part of the spectrum. I, I don't even label them as crazy. That's rude. I'm not as bad as I thought I was. And that to me is what I found intriguing about myself because we think we're the worst of the worst, man. And then we go in and we see people who actually need more help than we do, who live with mental and emotional ailments that are far superiorly Right. Detrimental it's like going to who they are. a hospital with a hangnail and complaining about it, like all these white women, right? <laughs> and then well, you go the white into, part, maybe, yeah. And then, right? you, <laughs> and then you go into a hospital and you see people crying and dying of cancer and AIDS and all sorts of shit. Like, it, it's, it's the same thing. Like, you go in there thinking so, that you're mental and really messed up, and then you see people who are really struggling. And it yeah, sobers like you up to the fact yeah. that you don't have it so bad. Yeah, forgive me, I didn't mean to run, but I was just thinking about some of the conversations we've had in the past and about how you were able to, you know, mind over matter thing. Like, I tell you what, when I started taking, like, people, people shit on medication. Those motherfuckers need medication. <laughs> and, and, like, like <laughs> yo, and it worked. Because when you see them off that shit, woo, woo, yeah. when they would refuse... Yo, people talk shit. Oh, medication, man. That's just the that's just the government trying to make you shut the fuck up. No, stupid. Medication works and, for people that it was designed for that take it in the appropriate manner. Everything exactly in moderation. Everything in moderation, John. Right. Everything. A man. perfect example of of that is I don't have ADHD or ADD, whatever they call it. Okay, I, I, I do. <laughs> so if I was to take or crush up a uh, Adderall right now, it would make me feel like I was all coked out. However, you were through the roof, yeah. I know plenty of people that really do have ADHD and ADD that when they take that, it has the exact opposite effect. It slows them down Dude. and makes them normal. Oh, yeah. So it's, that's a prime... Take, yep. you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm just, total, I'm, just, I'm just so excited about you saying that. Forgive me. I'm just, I keep interrupting you. No, I'm just... I'm so sorry. Uh, no, I, I, uh, no, I can take an Adderall and go to sleep. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what it does to me, too. I, I have ADHD, man. That means it, it, it works so, for you. Exactly. And, and, and beige doesn't touch on the mental health aspect part. Like, it touches on it. it like, you, you see experiences that Rob has on the show. Like, you'll see him having a panic attack in key situations. Well, let me tell you what I you'll, got you'll from see beige, that. and then maybe you can fill go in ahead. the blanks. Or maybe the blanks go are ahead. supposed to be there to leave the audience wanting more. Like, of course. Of oh, course. That's, it, like, you yes. didn't want to dive into everything in the proof of concept, and then the whole story's already over. There's no sense to have exactly. any seasons or episodes. But um, exactly. it starts out with you talking to what seems to be, like, a therapist. Yeah, clinician, yep. And you seem very pissed off and hurt because of something a woke white woman did to you. Then you walk out of the place and a buddy of yours is there in a limo to pick you up. Yes. And this yes. guy apparently is the guy that uh, owns and runs the elbow room. Yes. Which is a famous comedy club that's in Hartford, Connecticut. And uh, mm -hmm. he drives you there and hooks you up with a beer. And I think tells you that yeah, he drives me to 
tells you that he's going to have you be a regular there, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he, you, he shows me love, yeah. And then you go down into the basement, and there seems to be some kind of afternoon show, and there's somebody on stage. And, <laughs> and then you go to, he, uh, to see your mom. So we see my mom. We see my mom before. So yeah, Rob tries to hide out and go see his mom before he goes to see his family. But little, you know, unbeknownst to him, when he shows up, his daughter and his girlfriend are <laughs> at his mom's house, <laughs> and they get pissed that he's home and they didn't. He didn't say nothing to him. So yeah, that's what I was wondering. It's because like I didn't understand the context of why you guys were fighting. Well, that's the thing too. The whole idea was, if you watch it, you know, you did watch it, but if you, like one of the lines is, it's just like, wait, when did Jake? My, his, his mom's like, what the fuck? It's like, when were you going to tell us that you were home? Like they were pissed that he was home, and they were. But they, you got to mind, mind the fact that they've already been upset over how he left. That's what doesn't get touched on in the proof of concept, but it will on the pilot and in the subsequent episodes. Okay, so the family they're, they're, and whatnot is upset that you went away to try to better yourself at a mental institution. Exactly. Or maybe they're not upset that you're trying to better yourself. They're upset of how you left it or how you went. About yeah. It. Yeah. They're torn. They're okay. torn. They know, they, they know I went to get help, but they're pissed off that he went to go ahead, but he did it the way he did it okay. abruptly. And, but they don't realize that it's like, well, how do you wrap your arms around that? Because in our, where I'm from in our community is trying to get help for mental health is frowned upon. And so it's like, wait, you left to go do what to better yourself at a, and leave us behind for what, you know, that type of idea. People make things about themselves yeah, true. because they don't see the bigger picture, true. you know? And that's the whole context in which, why they were so upset. It's like, they can be upset, but they can't be upset. So they're, so they're torn. They're stuck. So that initial reaction, that visceral reaction is like, wait, what the fuck are you doing here? And not only are you here, but you didn't tell us, just like the same way you didn't tell us the way you left. That, to me, is I find interesting. That's compelling shit. Right. So you're dealing with a lot, you know? Yeah. You had to go into a mental institution. You get out. You're kind of thrust back into the comedy scene by the owner of a club. And your family's upset with you. Mm -hmm. And on top and of that, comedian gives me shit. Yeah, yeah. There was a comedian that talked shit to you, didn't? He? Yeah, he was just like, "Wait a minute, are you?" And the, the craziest line is the most disrespectful thing that you can probably say. It's like, "Oh, does does uh does Frank have you work in the door to pay off those beers?" Because he knows that Frank and I are friends, and he's just like, "Well, if you're not getting up, what the fuck are you doing here?" Are you just working the door to pay off that beer tab? And Rob saw that as utter disrespect. And he's like, you know what? I got to get out of here. And then he, we, the other scene, you see him walk into the, uh, the arch in Hartford. And then he's like, you know what? I got this. And he goes right back. I mean, we're giving the whole story away, but you got to watch. There's still some other nuance there. That's fun. And then you go back and he takes the stage again. It's like, yo, fuck this. I got this. And that's where it ends. No, believe me, we're not giving anything away. Cause even though I've seen it twice now, us talking mm -hmm. about it right now is making me want to watch it a third time. <laughs> Cause I, I think there was some that. stuff I didn't pick up on, but it is compelling. Right. And if I was a network Thank exec, you. I would, I would absolutely pick it up for at least a pilot.
I would, I, I appreciate that. I wish you were working in, around here in, in, in central Connecticut. Trust me. I wanted to give it, I want to give it to Connecticut first. I really do. That's one of my main goals, but that's the conceptual. That's what the show's about. It's just like, how does this man get back into this world that he ran away from? And how does he show the rest of the people around him that he's, that he's, he's here to stay and that he's not going to leave anymore. Now, can you touch upon know. the fact that this isn't the first incarnation of beige? I can, like we were talking about, <laughs> um, yeah, I can, I can, I can. There's some, there's some things that I can definitely talk about that happened. Yeah, for right. Because sure. uh, this the isn't the first time, this isn't the first yeah. time that you've been shopping a TV show. You were shopping this concept before and it actually this is got probably, picked up by a network and they approved eight episodes of it. But yes, they did things went way out of control for you and it ended up being nothing like you signed up for and uh you were taken advantage of big time i don't know if i was john i really can't say much oh yeah right <laughs> right i'm sorry brother, See, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure shit out once you know the facts. i don't know you might be right who knows <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I could, but I could see. You know why I like you because you're such a good dude. Is because I can see the I, anger in your eyes. I want. I appreciate. That. I want to try to stick up for my bitches, but I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I tell you. I tell you what. This is. I'll, it sounds I'll break like it down this like is this. another attack. Attack of the Karens. <laughs> I tell you. Well, you never know. I tell you what. I just because you have an idea doesn't mean it's yours true if you have an idea for anything you hold on to that shit with your heart and soul you don't give that shit you don't just give it away to anybody i ever tell you how you i had an idea stolen from me just out of pure stupidity oh shit no dude let me know what happened because <laughs> i was an idiot I didn't know. No, better. you weren't in it. You were just uneducated. You weren't educated, dude. Because they don't. Because this business doesn't teach us how to be educated, dude. You got to learn. That's they call that shit right there, John. What you just mentioned. They call that shit paying your fucking dues. That what happened to me. They call it paying your dues. Well, this Bullshit. happened to be. Hap I mean, that this happened to be nothing having to do with stand up or podcasting or anything. This happened just to be like an invention. Um, mm -hmm. I always wanted it wasn't to. It was for the shake weight, was it? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I wish I came up with that. <laughs> but the South Park version. Okay. <laughs> what What do they call the, the like the big one? The big uh, I, the big something. I forgot what it was. And the woman just cannot handle it. It's just too. It's just too much for her. Um, but anyways, what I wanted to come up with was a motion activated light that sat inside the toilet bowl. So when you would walk into that as a man at night, you wouldn't have to flip on no lights or nothing. You would walk in front of that bowl. The whole bowl would illuminate. So you'd have a big light to piss on. You got my attention. So you have I my started attention. like Googling to see if that product existed and it didn't. And then a couple of years later, I Google it again. And all of a sudden the product's out and it's on Amazon selling like hotcakes. So oh, because I work in computers and internet security, I should have known better. But what people can do is people can buy Google data. So mm. let's say you want to purchase information from Google 
for every time somebody searches for something, but, but, it, but it never comes up. Yep. So you can pull that information into a document and then sort it and say, everyone's looking for this XYZ type of thing and nobody can find it. Wow. So let's design that wow. because everyone's looking for it, but nobody's got it. So wow. I am 99.9% sure, certain that because I just kept looking for this product for so many years and it never existed that just somebody beat me to it or somebody took the idea. But I'm not an inventor. I'm not an engineer. How the hell am I going to like engineer like a prototype for like a, like a toilet light? You know what I'm saying? Like what? No, but dude, but the, yeah, but from the same thing from my experience, dude, I'm not a writer. I wasn't like a t television show writer. I wasn't, I'm just a comedian. You know what I'm saying? I'm just someone who has a great idea. And then what am I supposed to do with this? And then you entrust somebody with this idea. And then before you know it, things start happening that you don't expect. And then before you know it, your heart's broken because this other individual took liberties with shit that they, you didn't think that they would do. And then they flip it around and turn it on you as if you were the one at fault. Right. And, you're, and so now you're, now you're sitting there and you're wondering like, what the fuck? And you feel just like the way you felt. Yep. You feel stupid. Yeah. And, you, and you're hurt. And then you don't want to do anything. And it tests your pride. And, th and that's what they say paying dues. That's what I, it's like. No, that's just somebody acting like a, like I had a, a conversation with a couple of friends of mine about lawyers. And uh, people were like, oh, lawyers, lawyers, bro, they're yeah, such pieces yeah, of shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, I, but, I, but I say this to them, I was like, but think of it like this. It's like, okay, lawyer. Lawyer is someone who upholds the law, prosecutes it, defends it, whatever it is. That's what a lawyer does. The individual what and the behavior. supposed to do. It's what they're supposed to do. That's a, and that's a whole different thing. All what my I'm saying experience is, with yeah. lawyers is I've been screwed by two, and I've only had two. They, right, and, the th and I understand that. What I'm saying is that is it because of that individual's behavior and the fact that they know information that exact it's all behavioral it has nothing to do with the actual term lawyer. There are some good lawyers out there, but whenever you heard lawyer, you get the, the negative connotation because we are tended we tend to think that that's what they that, that's who they are. No, a lawyer is not bad. It's the individual who acts like a fucking asshole is what makes the term bad. Precisely. Just like all police aren't bad. It's certain individuals mm -hmm. that have that badge should absolutely not have one it's Ooh, no listen, different with lawyers the two lawyers that i dealt mm -hmm. with let me ex real quick the first one told oh. me i couldn't sue the drunk driver that almost killed me because i didn't oh, have wow. enough in medical bills then i find out years later that that was bullshit we could have sued for as much as we wanted to it didn't matter how many medical mm -hmm. bills i had but because i was naive mm -hmm. i believed them he just didn't want the case anymore then uh yeah. i ended up putting in for a transfer at a job and then before the tran and then the transfer went through and then all of a sudden they told me that the job was no longer available and then that my old job I was transferring from was no longer available. So it's like, mm. all right, am I laid off? They're like, no, it was a weird situation. So I took them to mm -hmm. court because they didn't want to pay me unemployment. And uh, we got a lawyer involved. We were going to sue him for all sorts of shit. And yeah. the lawyer ended up dropping us as a client because he felt we were too pushy. Because we called him too much. Yeah, see, that's that <laughs> bullshit, man. That's that's all behavioral. That's all behavioral. Every that's all behavior, man. Right. It's all fucking behavior. And the thing that sucks about it is like you tend to trust these people because they tell you they'll sell you the world, and then nothing happens, dude. I've been sold the world so many times from so many different people mm -hmm. in my time doing stand up. I'm I'm sort of I'm still inkling my way up, being a, a business owner with my LLC, Raggy Rock Productions. Um, you know, still having to work my day job the way I have to in order for me to get ahead 
you know, to help fund what happens, what I do um, outside of my day job. It's, it's tough because you, you entrust people with something that you feel to be incredible. And you feel that if you had this individual with you, that they could help you and that you can help each other. But then what happens is, is they either, in your cases with your lawyers, they just don't see the value in it anymore and they just fucking bounce because they're tired. Or they do see the value in it and then they run with it to a certain point where you're left with nothing. And that's what happened to me. Well, I think that's what's so shady about a lawyer, okay, is two main things. It's almost like they're a, like a surgeon or a doctor that is just picking and choosing who they're going to save. Like, you can well, compare yeah. both of those lawyers that screwed me to being like doctors mm -hmm. who simply just thought my injury wasn't significant enough or worth their time. So they chose right, not exactly, to yeah. fix me up. Right. And, and, and the thing is, but I guarantee you, John, this is what happened to me after my situation. I educated myself on everything. I understood what copyrights were, how to do them, trademarking, what trademarking was, what copywriting was. I understood how to protect my idea, even if I were to go, even in the most, the, the, the old school way of doing it, which is mailing something to yourself or getting notarized. Um, I learned everything, not everything, but I learned it enough to not be able to be, ha to be had again. And when it came, and then even with lawyers, because I was you know, going, there was a time I had to represent myself because I'm still going to court with this individual i had to represent myself about three times already and because i had to represent my i learned how to represent myself in court and i was successful all three times i mean i'm still going through it i mean i, I have to get someone to help me out but the thing is it's like you have to educate yourself i guarantee you if you were more educated on the situation just like like when i was as naive as i was like if I wasn't as naive as I was the first time around, I would have gotten I would have gotten more than what I've got the first time I was in, in court with that individual. Now the second time, because you know it's a it's a whole defamation thing again. This time I know a lot more than I did before, and now that I know a lot more than I did before, I understand how to go about it a lot more precisely. You know what I'm saying? So it's, and, and, and all this shit is, dude, I was, you know, I, I, I find myself in the courthouse before COVID hit, just reading up on, in the, in the, in the library, in the law library, just reading shit up, just trying to figure this stuff out, man. Cause I, cause I, I wasn't going to take no for an answer. Right. And I wasn't gonna let myself be bullied again. And that's one of the crazier things is, uh, you know, I come from a music background from a young age where I was in a yeah. lot of bands and uh, you know, we had a lot of people approach us saying that they were going to, you know, we were going to get signed to this big record label and come out here, do this, do that. We're going to give you the world. Yeah, man. And it was through a lot of trial and error that I learned a, not to trust anybody B not to get your hopes up. Yep. And it got so bad that one of the bands I was in in the early two thousands actually won an award. And there was a like mm -hmm. a pretty big award show at the Man's Chinese Theater out in L.A. And mm. I was in such denial, like the whole thing was mm. bullshit, that I didn't even fly out there. The drummer and his wife did. And everything was mm. real. And everyone out there wow. was like, where's everyone else? They were, I mean, there were record executives there from all the major labels. And mm -hmm. I still get told this type of shit. And I'm still like, nah, nah, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Right. It, it's, it's first thing we mentioned, everything in moder moderation, man. Right. It's like, I when would you, have to. You don't get your hope. See it. To yeah, man, don't get your hopes up. 
You, exactly, dude, because you hear it so much. Right. And it's just like, you know, you're, and then you don't believe in it. It's like, don't you get yourself up too high? Don't get yourself up down too low. My thing is, it's like, you know, what happened with this, the person I was working with, some people were telling her shit, like, same, similar to what happened with you, saying, oh, it can be on this network and that network. And because I've been fed dreams so many times, I was like, well, until someone presents us with a contract, I'm not getting my hopes up. Have you tried Netflix? Because you know? apparently they just give anybody a contract. Uh, I, I heard, <laughs> but I think what we want to do now is we want to crowdfund it on our own because yeah. we want creative control. And that's a big thing. The big thing that you, when you start negotiating with network executives, the, the biggest thing that you want is control, control of some sort. Absolutely. And because what happens, the more is control you, you, you that give you a, have and yeah. you own, that's what you want. You don't want to have everything sold right. out because you've already been through that once. Yeah. And everything turned shit out too easy. wrong. Like not exactly like it needed to be. Dude. Yeah. The, the, I'll tell you what the, uh, Fast forward the story, I suppose. I got called. I got the, the the network called the network called me to back out on the deal as I was checking myself in for a therapy session Ugh. across the street from the net from the network. <laughs> That's like breaking the tooth on the way into a dentist. Yeah, man. It was <laughs> it was tough. It was fucking tough. But I tell you what, it was the best thing that happened to me. One of the best things getting sued the first time was probably one of the best things to happen to me because I learned so much. And, you know, the thing about it is, it's like, I asked this person to help me out of desperation. I got tired. Look, think about it like this. There's a lot of comedians out here, your area, my area. Yeah. We just go from show to show, $50 here, $40 here, closing a show out. A uh, hundred dollars here, one fifty, two hundred there, whatever it is. Then you maybe get out of, out of one of the com better comedy clubs. Forty to headline well, all you're is doing is. Low. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, we won't get, we won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> but and then, but the point I'm making is is that eventually you just ask yourself, where am I going? Am I just chasing money? Just to say that I'm a pro comic or, you know, then you're, you're, you're a local dude. Just I'd like to think none swinging, of us you know, got into stand up for the money. You don't, but you understand eventually you're a commodity. You hope one day that it's going to lead to that. But that's just yeah. it. I mean, how many years you've been doing this, man? I mean, that's kind of what I wanted to touch on more is that like you started out in, years, in yeah. New York City in like the late, like, like what, 08 ish? Uh, what was it? Yeah, around 09. I, so I went to a comedy school in 08. They're called American Comedy Institute because it was just a way for me to get into New York. Dude, I was homeless for about a few, for about a week, living in my car. Um, and I didn't want to go home because I knew that going home was, wasn't for me. I wanted to be a comedian so bad that I slept in my car. And I didn't even touch the stage. I didn't even go to uh, the, the school yet. This is in 2008. I was sleeping in the, in the parking lot of the Walmart. And the woman that I knew that I'm cool with, still cool with to this day, love her, de love her to death. Uh, she saw me get out of my car one day and she was like, um, you know, she asked me when we were, at, we were working, she's like, Rob, do you have a place to live? And I was like, no. Because <laughs> I mind you, I was on my Blackberry. And this is like when, when uh, this is when, uh, whatchamacallit, was really popping off. Um, Craigslist. Yeah. Couldn't find a place. This Korean woman, fuck, and I say, the only reason why I say Korean woman because she fucking shitted on me with money. She had like she didn't want to know English all of a sudden when I needed my deposit back. Well, what's, she gave me half of it. What's wrong with Korean women? You know? 
Nothing. It's just the fact that, is that she all of a sudden act like she, she no, she just started acting like she didn't speak English anymore when I wanted my deposit back. Is that non PC? And so I was, I, no, I don't give a fuck what it is. I was pissed. I was fucking homeless for a fucking week because of her. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna fuck what that shit is. I was mad. It's like now I was like, I'm <laughs> just being honest. Fucking you know, now you don't understand English when I want my money. Like fuck out of here. So because of her, which is because of her choice, her choosing not to give me my money. I was homeless for a week, and this woman that was very kind from Texas, uh, she was living uptown. She was living uptown in the Heights, and she's like, "Hey, um, would you want to come take a look at the place I, I have uptown? This room I have." I was like, "Yes, I'll take it." She's like, "You sure?" It's like you haven't seen it. It's like I'll take it. It's like I live in my car, <laughs> you know. I'll, I'll take whatever. Yeah. And she's like, "Well, okay, since you'll take it, the only thing is, it's five hundred dollars a month. But the only thing is, is that you can't live there yet." I'm like, "Why not?" And she's like, "Because it's technically a crime scene." <laughs> <laughs> let's see car or crime scene <laughs> yeah. yeah so dude the crime scene was way better so at least there was a bed in there so i go she tells me that apparently because an older guy died in there so i ended up they ended up clearing everything out i threw out the mattress and i ended up sleeping on the box spring that the guy died on and the box spring had bed bugs i had no idea my girl she came over a few times got bit up oh. uh but i barely i think they liked me and I always say to myself, that man died so I could live. Because after that, I went to the school. Everything went well. After, after I went to school, I got out in 09. I hit the fucking stage like a fucking madman. Like a fucking maniac, dude. There wasn't one night out of the week that I wasn't up on stage doing something. 2010 was probably like my best year Ugh, of comedy. That's what I yeah, want to do. That's why I was I'm talking planning about, on already talking about, in the city had this, yeah. had this virus not hit. Yeah, dude, I'm talking about 400 times a year, dude. Yeah, that's what you gotta <laughs> you <know>? do. <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of money. The problem is, there was a lot of open mics. I spent a lot of money doing. I, I invested a lot of money into myself. That's what some guys don't get. Yeah. You have to invest in, that's, in yourself. That's a lot. That's yeah. People don't get that. Like if you are yeah. still at the open mic level of comedy, like I am, and uh, you go down to New York City, can you get up seven, eight, nine times a night? Absolutely. But is it? Oh, yeah, but, is it on, yeah. but is it free? No. Mm, yeah. There's a exactly. there's a two and drink minimum. Sometimes you got to bark. Sometimes you got to bring X amount of people. But you got to be smart, John. You got to be smart. Sometimes you got to get yeah. a lottery. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. it's a lottery oh, yeah, system. Oh, dude, I crushed my lottery. I crushed the. Lo I did a, this lottery thing for um to get past that um at, at uh at what was it the place over uptown on the Second Avenue um the, what was it the uh. Com not the comedy, no, not the comedy. Uh, what was it? Fuck, I forgot the name of it, man. Uh, the comic strip. Okay. Crushed my edition. Yeah. Didn't get past. You know, I crushed my, I was, cru I was saying, I was saying shit that people weren't saying at all. Crushing my auditions. But that's what, like, I've been doing it, it'd be 12 years in April, man. Now, now, that's, to answer your question, 12 years in April. Starting in the city was great. Um, but I left because of, because um, I didn't think I'd be able to handle success. And I was afraid. And I ran and I used my daughter being about to be born as an excuse. And I had this one guy who wanted to rep me or at least one who really thought I was great. Said some super wonderful words to me, said I was talented, said I was a gift, said I had all these great, all these awesome superlatives. And I was afraid. And he said, in 10 months, if you kept working at it the way you're working at it, you're going to be something else. And I was like, what? No, I'm not ready for that. And I bounced. I yeah. was, I was and that's what people got to understand, man, is that you were fully in it, 
crushing it in NYC in 09. And then eventually you had to make a tough choice or you came to a crossroads where you knew that you probably couldn't handle the success you were heading for a and B you made another tough decision to man up and move to Hartford, giving up your career so you could be a father. Yep. And also the main one was I valued my mental health more than I valued success. Right. And when I left in 2011, Brooklyn was born in 2012. And I say Brooke because I sitting with the, my daughter on the show and she's my real life daughter. Um, and it was tough watching all my friends on TV. Oh, it was tough, but I, it was bittersweet. I'd ask my girl to turn the TV off because like, uh, she's like, Oh, look at such and such. Oh, look at such and such. Look at that. I'm like, ah, turn it off. Why don't you tell people the real story about whose career you helped get started? <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> I want to so bad. You can't. There's a handful. I can't because I don't want to put people. I don't want to disparage people. Cause this guy is I, if you, huge, like movie star but, huge but I now. <laughs> but it, it, I, don't even, I don't even want to mention his name because there's a handful of times that my girl would tell me like, Hey, you know that joke you have about such and such and such and such. I'm like, yeah, looks like this dude is doing it. Mm -hmm. If you would have hit me up about this maybe five years ago, maybe, or like before I did start doing DVT, maybe I would have gotten into it. The only reason why I don't want to get into it is because I've grown and it doesn't make sense for me. Cause trust me, I, I, I I've talked to you about this off, off, you know, yeah, off, off the record off type the of record. deal. And I'm, yeah, but I, but even then, like even now that you presented to me, I'm not a. It's not that I'm afraid to talk about it. It's just it. It wouldn't make any sense because I'm a, I'm nothing compared to what the individual is in the grand scheme of things. In Hollywood's eyes, in Hollywood's but eyes, same, maybe. But in exactly. terms of talent, I don't really think he's the most talented dude. I really don't. He's decent, but I think you're just dude, as good, you, if not better. It's just. Some people just seem to get lucky and others don't. And I, got, and I, got, I, yeah. I, can't, I can't figure out why some people come up smelling roses every second of their life and other people just get shit thrown at them, you know? Because you fucking chisel at this shit, John. Mm. It's just, yo, you get, you get caught. You, you, all it takes is one set of fucking eyes, man. Yeah, I know it. You don't, you don't, you don't have to. This is the thing that people don't realize is that you don't have to be a finished product in order to get put on because they'll help you with that. That's the, what the industry allows us to believe is that we need to be finished products in order for us to get put on. No, 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 no. The industry will take any morsel or portion of who you are, what they think you are, and they will turn you into something. Case in point, Cardi B, case in point, the person that we're talking about, case in point, anybody. And sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad. Right, but because not everyone, not everyone is supremely talented. Not everyone is like a Chappelle, or maybe like myself, or maybe whatever it is. Not you know what I'm saying. And kind of like I'm in your is case just, is that you did get that opportunity, but your likeness and what it was turned into was not what it was intended to be turned into. Is my point exactly? Yeah, exactly. And when you watch that happen, and you see it happen over and over again, and you see people take what you've created, what I and it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. That, that, and that's why that's the main reason why I don't want to bring it. Like, well, I like I don't mind talking around it, right? Yeah, but yeah. It's just when you see it happen a handful of times, you ask yourself, "What the fuck?" And the thing about asking yourself, "What the fuck?" is that there's no real answer. Let me ask you how. See, so this is what I 
can foresee in your future here. I think this new incarnation in beige is the shit. Thank you. I think it's going to get picked up. Everyone I know who's Thank seen you. it has loved it. It's going to get picked up. And now, because Thank you've you. been through this shit once, you know your stuff now. Yeah. Now this is going to be fully your show. You know how to do things now. And I think you're going to have a lot of success with it, man, man. I appreciate it, John. You're great, man. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing it, man, for having me here. Like, I, look, I can be super long-winded. Uh, I just hope that it resonates with people in a way that it's like, wow, I've never, I've ne I, I feel the same way. Um, and I want people to say, I feel the same way and I understand this man. I think everybody's fascinated like by human behavior and just like getting yeah. a sneak peek into someone else's life, especially someone else's life that could be like yours so you can relate to it. Or maybe someone would like to watch it because they don't know what it's like to live your life. They don't mm -hmm. know what it's like to be beige and see the world through your eyes. They don't know what it's like to live with borderline. Yeah. They, you, they being don't, shitted on by your own people. Yeah. They, they don't know what it's like to have to be homeless in New York city because you're trying to chase your dream that bad. And then one day have to give it up because you chose to be a man and step up and be a father and take care of your mental health, giving up on your own dreams. And this is the type of stuff that you're talking about. And uh, I think a lot of people yeah, can relate to it, but I think as well, people can learn from it. We need to know more about each other because at the end of the day, I don't believe in races. I think there's one race, the human race. We're a lot more alike yeah, than I... people think we are, despite how light or yeah. dark our skin color is. We're a lot more alike. But, and, but I think we have to learn more about each other. And I think this gives people an intimate view into your life and uh I seriously hope it gets picked up. I think it will get picked up, man. I really do. Listen, I appreciate that, man. I really do. I, I'm, I'm the hardest part about this business is becoming a disgruntled artist because it's so easy because Conan O'Brien said when he lost it to tonight's show is that none of us get what we, what we exactly what we want. My example, if I was Conan, and I yeah. wouldn't be complaining though. No, no, but I'm, yeah, I know what you mean, but it's just like, it's like you, you strive, his whole goal was to get the Tonight Show, he gets it, and it's taken from him, and it's like, what are you going to do next? You just move on, and I had to learn how to move on, I had to learn to let go, I had to learn to shed that old skin, and if there's anyone out there who's a, of any type, performer, uh, just anyone trying to get a job, like, you know, because people tend to get, they get locked up in jobs that they fucking hate, because they don't believe that they can find anything better. It's like, wait a minute, you don't think you can find something better than what you have now? You don't think that, and, and even if it means taking a few steps back so you can take a giant step forward. You know, I, I went from working in a retail job that fucking sh that hated me damn near to taking a step back to work at a job that had more um, stability and helped me out. Now I took a pay cut took a nice pay cut, but it was fucking worth it. My, my sanity is so much better. Absolutely. And now I've, yeah, and I've built up the skills. So now in the, the field that I'm in now, I can actually go for something better. It took a year and a half, but it's fucking worth it. Look, walk, like when you frame it the way you framed it about me, like I never thought of it that way. I never thought of it like I made a tough decision to, for myself or for my family. I never thought of it that way because it was so long ago. But yeah, I made a... I made a conscious choice. Some of it was due to fear. 
but it all boiled down to one thing and one thing only was knowing that I've had more value on myself than what anything that uh, comedy could offer me at that time. I think the biggest question now, and I think it's a rhetorical question is I already know the answer. The question is, do you believe in the answer is that you have a lot of years experience in this business. You know, a lot of high level people. This is your second run around now with this beige. You got a lot of great things going for you. You could mm-hmm. pop at any minute. Do you feel like that? I mean, you're not, you are kind of back to where you were about to pop in 09, in 2010, 2011, 2012, before you had to come back up to Hartford and be a dad and worry yep. about your mental health more than your stand up comedy career. Mm-hmm. But now that you seem to have your shit together, do you think you can handle mm-hmm. success now? Are you ready to take that next step up, sign that Netflix deal? I tell you what, first, before I answer that, wow, yeah, I was making moves, John. I, I never thought of it until, you, like, I'm being real. Like, this is a, such a revelation. Well, you were making moves, and, you, and like the way I see it, you kind of had to press the pause button because there was something burning on the stove that you had to take care of before you could move on with the yeah. dream. Now that you've taken care of the fire over here, you can repress the play button. It's, and that's what I think it's, you're doing it is you're yeah. picking up where you left off with, you know, you got a lot of stuff going for you, man. Right? Yeah. That's my this, point. I, yeah, no, I, I agree. I just, it's, I'm just, I'm taking it all in and this is all happening in real time, you know? And like, yeah, I was I, like, I fucking was. And, um, to answer the question, uh, yes and no. And the reason why I say yes and no, which the indifference of it all will turn into, I don't know. Yes. Because if the, if the opportunity presented itself in front of me, yes, I'd be ready. I think, right. I guess I'd be ready because like, yeah, let's do this. Let's have these conversations. I'll, I'll hire a lawyer. I'll, I'll get an entertainment lawyer. And then knowing that I'll be able to afford the motherfucker, you know, and then I'll be able to work out this contract, work out this deal. Yes. I'll be ready for that. No because it's a whole different experience that I've never been a part of that I've never seen before in terms of on that higher level. And I say no, because like, am I going to be mentally and emotionally ready for that particular situation? And I hope. So the thing is, it's like to smash it in together, moderation, all this and that. I believe so. So is that ultimately so. where you see yourself in the next five or 10 years? Do you want to get an agent and book a college tour or even a U.S. tour? Do you want to get out on the road and tour more? Do you want to release uh, maybe like an hour special and this time rather than going to YouTube, maybe release it? You know, maybe you can get a development deal with, you know, Netflix, HBO, Showtime or, you know, something. Really push that, have, that yeah. stand up end of it. Or are you kind of right. more focused on like doing the beige acting aspect I'm focused on whatever comes my way. Okay. I'm multi-talented. I get that. So you're going to sometimes keep, when you say, yeah. So you're going to keep like running down all those roads, so to speak. You're going to keep pushing your stand-up yeah. career. You're going to keep pushing like the acting and like the production side and, and you know, that type of stuff as well as your comedy workshops. Yeah. I'm going to do whatever excites me in the moment, John. Right. That's it. Whatever excites me in the moment. Right now, beige is the thing that excites me the most. So I'm going to run with it right now doing this podcast is what excites me because we're in it. 
two friends talking, having a good time. Um, I'm going to do whatever excites me in the moment. Right on. And what do you got coming up for comedy besides pushing beige? We're going to give people the Um, link to watch beige. We're going to give people the crowdfunding page to toss you some money to help get the word out there about beige. So it can be developed into a series, hopefully for Netflix or somebody big for yeah, man. I hope so too. Right now I'm, I'm so May 21st. Cause right now I'm on the mend. Um, I don't know if, if I can't you see this. <laughs> like, um, I, I recently had foot surgery well, about yeah. almost two weeks ago. There's a reason and why I've been you're on the not in the studio with me from Hartford to Boston. Isn't too, too far. And you were supposed right, to be right, in the exactly. studio with me, but because you got a bum leg, we, we decided to, yeah. We decided to step into the 21st century here and use some Zoom. Yeah, exactly. That. And plus, this is the, the digital is the way to go right now. But um, I, May 21st, I booked myself for something for May 21st, May 22nd out here at this place called the, the Sheesh Bar in, um, in, in, in West Hartford out here, not too far from where I live. Um, I'm going to do a lot of local stuff in the beginning, but I'm going to start pushing myself out more to start doing some stuff outside of you know, the Connecticut area. But right now, it's beige, uh, 21st, 22nd work on that so I can work on my uh, comedy album that I've been uh, piecing together for many years. Um, you know, check my website out, robsantoscomedy.com. I did this one show called 860 America's Bedtime Story and I did Musings of a Madman, which were just two small little specials that weren't necessarily the most polished because we were under quarantine. So I was like, yo, I got all these fucking ideas. Let me just throw them out there and see what happens. And that's what I did. I recorded two within, I recorded one in August and I recorded another one in October. So I recorded two of them within like a two month span <laughs> from one another, you know? So I was like, fuck it. I got these ideas and I'm still not done with that material. I'm still going to polish it out and work it. Yeah. So um, right now, beige is the shit. Um, May 21st, May 22nd out here in Connecticut. And hopefully I get some more bookings and I can come to people's areas. Absolutely. And I hope to hook up with you uh, for a few shows this summer uh, because not being able to get up right now is driving me crazy. I need that outlet. I looked forward to that nightly outlet of going somewhere around here and getting up every night, whether it was a show or a mic. Now, yeah, man, I agree. There ain't nothing. Over the summertime, I did one in a parking lot, like on a megaphone. <laughs> you know, I've done the virtual <laughs> ones, but you know, yep. it's it's so much different. I I need to be in person with the people. Just moderation, man. Take what you can get, dude. Seriously, like I look at it. This is the problem. We live, in, we live and breathe in such extremes that we don't know how to navigate through them. And the best way to navigate through the extremes is understand, finding the middle. I'll give you an example. When you're on stage, this is one thing that I was taught. You always find your middle of the room. When I first started doing comedy in New York City, you had to do check spots. And check spots are the most brutal spots ever. But I would hold my own in those check spots. The reason why check spots sucked is because you were fighting the waitresses and people paying. So one of the things I was taught by one of the comedians was to find the middle of your room. So no matter where it was. So typically what you do is, and if you notice this, guys on television, uh, guys when they do specials, they, they go boom, 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 punchline. Set up, set up, set up, like premise, set up, punchline. So they always go from the left to the right or the right to the left or whatever the size so of the room are, and then they deliver the punchline. So they're always looking in the middle of the room when they're delivering the punchline. Yep, wherever the, wherever the most people are paying, you always do the middle of the room. Me, I'm, always. Me, I'm like a six-year-old in Little League with my eyes closed, swinging the bat, hoping I hit <laughs> <laughs> <hoping I, laughs> Yeah. Never mind looking. 
Right, man. But that's the problem, dude. Like, this is the thing. So, like, what I, and the reason why I bring that up is just find the middle of your room. When you're feeling the way you're feeling, man, just find the middle. Find the middle between being the way you feel versus what could happen if things were different and then living in that space so that you can find comfort and control. But see, that's just Problem it. Is, is when, that's, yeah. that's just it. That's why I wanted to go to New York City so I could get up seven nights a week or seven times well, what, a night. Well, what happens, what happens out of six of those seven spots you do? They suck. How are you going to handle How are you going to handle that emotion? But that's just it. The more I bomb, the more I get used to it. The more you get up there, the more you get practice mm -hmm. makes perfect. But what's killing me is see, and, see, and, then, and you just said, I don't mean to interrupt. You just said it. Right. Practice makes perfect. Right. So bombing practice your middle. Right. So fine. How can, how can we can't find your middle now? Well, that's my point is because COVID shut everything down. Yeah. There's, 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 no way to, yeah. there's nowhere to do stand-up. Nobody that I know around here is doing any stand-up anywhere. Dude, I created my own shit. When I did 860, we did America's Bedtime Story and Music of a Madman. We fucking did that shit in my friend's backyard on his porch. Yeah, and that's... There's, there's ways of doing it. That's, that's the type of shows that I need to... Well, I don't know, because those are shows more than they are mics, right? Yeah, but you, got, but you can find it. John is what I'm saying. You're, yo, you're, you're a gifted dude. You, you know, if there's anything about you that I know that you're very resourceful and you can take small little things and make it and make it bigger. That's the one thing I've learned about you since I've known you. And, and the thing about it is you have such a, a level of persistence about yourself that I enjoy that I do not, I'm not threatened by because it's like, you just want to help and you just want to be there and you just want to move. You just want to help. You just want to rise up with everybody. I just want to be part of the gang, man. You know? yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's, yeah, dude. But you also add your part. So my, what I'm trying to say is, is that you have this gumption, if you, if you will, for lack of a better term, to create that. It's there. Now you just got to find what's going to be best for you and use the resource that you have to build that. Yeah. And, that's all it is. And that's just the thing. Like, you know, I would be absolutely down for getting into the like, more show circuit. But before mm -hmm. I do that, I need a new five to 10 minute solid set. But before I can get to really? that set, I got to work that shit out at mics. And right now, really? because of COVID, there's no mics. Do you really, John? Do you really? This is what we're talking about. The, I don't know. Maybe I need to sign up for one of your workshops. Maybe you, maybe you come in and audit. I would love for you to come in and audit. I'm dead ass because this is the thing. The guys that get put on. They're not fucking ready. Because I got some material put on, they're not ready. that I literally don't yeah. know how to take to the stage because maybe the topic's too racy, or but I know there's a way to navigate it. But or maybe you don't know your point of view yet. Sometimes you gotta be, you know, a genius to navigate or just have a lot of experience to know how to how to take no. a thought and no, dude. You no, dude, I'm gonna tell you straight the fuck up. I'm gonna tell you straight up because I care about you. Look, man, all you need is your point of view. The first thing you develop within the first five years of your three to five years, I would say about five years ish, you develop your point of view. Then the other five you start develop. Then you get your voice, right? Your point of view is you know what it, every time you see a topic, you know how you want to attack it. That's the thing. You develop that first. And the way you do that is just by you say by working it out. Yes, you work it out, you work it out, you get up, you get up, you get up. But let's just say there's no mics around, but you can get an opportunity to do a show. You're going to turn that show down because you can get a couple opportunity to do a few mics. Fuck that. You're going to do that fucking show. <laughs> you know, you're going to take the jokes that you know that do work, mix in the stuff that you know that you might be a little hesitant with, and then you're going to sandwich it in with the stuff that works because that's what you have to do. Look, we have to work with what we're given. And the thing is, it's like, 
in your situation, you're still developing that point of view. You know, we're all still developing that. I didn't get super comfortable on stage until year 10. Yeah, I'm still way green. There's no doubt about that. But I mean, but don't put yourself down. No, 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 no. I'm not. But okay, good. It's just that process of, you know, having to repeatedly step in shit before you actually find your way around it. And Enjoy right before it. the lockdown hit, I had a revelation yeah. that I was going about okay. my stand up, my act completely wrong in every freaking possible way. And then I started <laughs> taking classes that, yeah. and I started reading books and I started realizing mm-hmm. I was doing everything wrong. And right around that same time, I went down to New York City last year, did stand up for the whole week. A lot of the material that was bombing up here was crushing down there. And then I took some of that same material that I really polished up that week in New York, took it back up to Western Mass for a gig. And it was some of it hit, some of it didn't. And, And then I started blaming the audiences. Uh, yeah. Well, it's sometimes but, sometimes you can blame the audience because they may not get what you're saying. Yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying on that. But after that, COVID lockdown happened a couple of weeks later. And then over the COVID lockdown, I realized that from the topics I was picking to how I was walking out on stage to the first thing I was saying to my facial expressions, how I was holding the mic, if I was holding the mic. I mean, everything I was doing was completely wrong. You know? Oh, wow, man. Well, I'm glad you came up with that realization. I tell you, like, John, like, dude, you need that. You have to go through that. This is the best time for all of us to be comics. You know how tough it is to be a comedian, a working comedian, and having to be on all the fucking time, that level of pressure? This is the best time to be a comedian for yourself, for anyone who's just starting up, because you get to be around your friends. You get to try out new ideas. What ends up happening is that people start to get frustrated and they get upset is when they start to see their friends get put on or the other people that they don't think should be put on because it's like, well, I'm doing the work. And then that's when people get disgruntled because like, oh, I deserve this. I deserve that. Instead of just like focusing on having fun and doing your work and keeping your eyes like this, every comedian will always tell you, yo, you got to keep your eyes on your own motherfucking paper. But it's so fucking hard because we want this so bad. But at the same time, it's like, but you, what are people willing to give up to get it? Yeah, but you got to keep your ass realistic, though, because like me being a year or two in, I don't mm-hmm. expect anything from anybody. I'm only a year or two in. Nobody owes me nothing. Dude. You know what I'm saying? Right, exactly. Right. Like the conversations we've had off, off air and what have you, um, you know, like I, if I, my biggest problem that I had was saying no to people. You know, that was my biggest issue. And sometimes you have to say no. Sometimes you have to say to someone, no, I can't do that right now. I'm sorry. I, you're still my people. And a lot you of know? time, um, a lot of time people are afraid to say no. So what they do is they just yeah. ignore you is what I've found. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It, it, <laughs> people that like to pay $40. But no, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> but it's just, but without getting into that too much, it's just, but I get what you're saying. It's just, it, you, you have to, you have to be steady. You have to be steady and you have to be ready. That's it. Always be ready. And then once you have that opportunity, because you never know when tomorrow could be the rest of the first day of the rest of your life. You never know. I think today is the first day of the rest of my life. But I think once we hit tomorrow, right. tomorrow will be the, the first. Or I don't know. Dude, you, <laughs> I don't know where I'm dude, going. You never know. So, you never know. Someone could see this podcast or, and they'd be like, yo, I like this guy, John. I want to let me get him in my circle. I like what he's doing. People might see this. People might see this show. Like, who, you, you don't, 
you don't fucking know. So why do we put so much emphasis on stuff that we don't know? Well, that's just it. It's crazy. I started out with one subscriber. Now it's gone up to hundreds, thousands, millions, gajillions. You're getting, get, get, listen, so gajillions. Li- you're, you're doing it. So listen, everybody, I'm going to put all of Rob's links down in the description of the video and in the podcast. And uh, they're also going to be up at, on the screen at random times. But check Rob out at robsantoscomedy.com. I don't think I really need to spell Rob and Santos for people. If you can't figure out how Santos is spelled, <laughs> God help you. Um, right. Rob is on Instagram. He's raggedy underscore Rob. If you don't know how to spell raggedy, ask Siri maybe. I don't know. And then uh, the Indigo link to check out the beige proof of concept. Rob's new TV show is a little bit too long, but it's going to be on the screen and it's going to be in all the links and all the promos and all that kind of stuff. So just click on it and check it out, man. And also give a few bucks, give a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, whatever you can to Rob's GoFundMe, which I imagine the majority of that money is going to be used not to go to strip clubs, but to actually help market the show to Netflix and so forth and just is help help us shoot it help us pay actors help help us pay local people local artists local crew members i haven't seen a dime yet of any of the stuff that i've done of even the first iteration i didn't get paid for other people did just so you know uh, just so you know i can act i can produce there's all sorts of stuff <laughs> listen you know what my fee is if i got uh, listen what's your fee my fee is just a hug brother that's all i want because, uh, listen when, next time i see you hey listen like i, I always tell people if i got room for them i, I holler at you all right I, i'm always open to uh working with new people always forward to it like i've always said i hope my milkshake doesn't bring any boys to my yard you never know shit happens <laughs> <laughs> shit happens you never know <laughs> <laughs> Shit happens, dude. Well, Rob, I'm looking forward to hooking up with you, man, especially this spring and summer, uh, because I'm sure these outdoor shows are going to be popping up more and more now that the weather's getting warmer in our northeast area here. Yep. And yep. I, I need to get on as many of those as possible, especially if the mics aren't happening, because I'm going out of my mind. I need to get up. Not, not having yeah. gotten up other than virtually or on a sidewalk in a year, it's killing me. I don't know about you. I'll holler at you. You know? I'll holler at you if I if, if if I do another one after my leg if I got if I got a five minute spot for you like a I, I'll I'll hit you up just be ready just be ready I don't that's know if it. I'll ever be ready but I'm willing to dive in which that that's the fucking fun part <laughs> if, if I break my neck because the water's a foot deep well hey then it was a hell of a ride right. It was a hell of a fucking ride, man. But I appreciate you. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you having me on, John. Yes. Um, thank you, uh, Rob, for coming on. Again. And uh, just in case anybody forgot, I'm John Ares. He's Rob Santos. This has been episode 74 of the Views from the John podcast. God bless you all. Stay safe. And Rob, God bless you. And thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I smell big things on the horizon for you, my friend. Thank you.